Good morning. Today is Friday, April 29th, 2022. I'd like to share with you an important essay that was written many years ago by Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb of Blessed Memory. There is a fundamental uh, dilemma or problem that has existed for all time within Judaism and it exists in other religions, but let's focus on Judaism. And that is the, the dilemma between tradition versus innovation. This debate, this dilemma is ancient. It's complex. It's never fully resolved which means that we need to face it in every generation and to look at it and to come to our own understanding of it in every generation for each of us. And the question is, when does conformity with the accepted custom shade off into rigidity? Or when does willingness to experiment move past just becoming liberal to becoming radical and contemptuous of the inherited values of the past? And this is an aspect of this question that comes up very often. When is submission to tradition a moral cowardice and an evasion of responsibility, a cop-out of independent thinking versus when is the desire for change just a thoughtless lust for sensationalism and whatever is popular. These questions are very important. They affect many, many areas of our Jewish lives. And they are debated by us. And should be. And we are constantly trying to figure out how to land in the right place. And there is a lesson from this week's Torah portion that bears strongly on this question. We've discussed before, I discussed it last night, the beginning of our parish of Achremos, which we read this Shabbos, deals with the Avodah. The Kohen Gadol, the high priest, would be the one to officiate all day in the Mishkan, in the sanctuary, in the Beit HaMikdash, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. And it was a whole day of sacrifices and offerings and rituals. And all of those offerings and rituals and ceremonies would affect the forgiveness by God for the Jewish people for their sins. That achieved the goal on Yom Kippur. When we look at the Torah's description, and certainly when we consider how our rabbis in the Talmud explain that in detail, and as, as I mentioned last night, as we recite the entire service on the afternoon of Yom Kippur, when 
in, in what we refer to as the Avodah section, our Avodah section, our verbal Avodah section of the afternoon prayer on Yom Kippur, it's clear that the Torah has a very powerful insistence on observing every single detail. Every moment of the day is orchestrated, choreographed. The Kohen Gadol has to practice for days and days before so that every moment he knows, I do this and then I do this, I go here and I go here. Every moment is accounted for and every detail must be done exactly, precisely, correctly. And the Torah makes it clear that even the slightest deviation would result in disaster. Clearly, the Torah in general, and specifically in this passage, holds tradition and custom in the highest esteem. And yet, there is a detail that gives us a more complete picture. The Torah says, Uva Aaron el Ohel Moed, after Aharon had performed the rituals, entered the Holy of Holies, only happened on Yom Kippur, and did the ceremonies and rituals that were required there. And when he finished, Uva Aaron el Ohel Moed, Aaron would come back out into the sanctuary, the outer sanctuary. Ufashat es bigdei habodah shelovash bevoel kodesh, and he would take off the special white garments that he wore when he went into the holy of holies. Let's just stop here for a moment. For a moment, let's remember that during the course of the day, the kohen gadol had two different sets of clothing. There was a set of garments of eight garments, which were the normal garments worn by the Kohen Gadol that were um, magnificent and colorful and bejeweled with gold threads and silver threads. So there was that, that splendorous, magnificent eight garment uh, um, outfit. And then there was a second outfit consisting only of four garments, only pure white linen. And the Kohen Gadol had to change back and forth several times, with the idea being whenever the Kohen Gadol would enter the Holy of Holies, he had to take off the gold, take off the silver, take off the jewels, and only be dressed in the most pure, humble, white garments. So when the Kohen Gadol came out for the last time and he took off those white garments for the last time, and he shall leave them there. What does that mean? I know when I finish Yom Kippur, I take my clothes home and they go right into the hamper for the dry cleaning. 
Talmud says, that's a very important detail. Melamed, it comes to teach you that when the Kohen Gadol took off those white special garments for entering the Holy of Holies, when he took them off for the final time at the end of Yom Kippur, Melamed Shetu'unin Geniza, those garments had to be buried. He was not allowed to reuse them the next year. Okay, one time. And they're new garments. He didn't have them on that long. He certainly didn't get them soiled. He could have cleaned them. He could take them to the dry cleaner just like I take my talus to the dry cleaner. But he had to leave them there. They would be buried. And next year he had to have a new a new set of garments. Why? Why can't you use the old ones? They last a few years. In, additionally, the Mishnah teaches us that these garments were exceptionally expensive. Fine linen, carefully made, tailored. Why waste them? Why not put them aside for the next Yom Kippur? Okay, I understand. If the next Yom Kippur you gain a little weight, so you're going to have to get new ones, all right. Or if you lose a little weight, okay, fine. But under normal circumstances, why throw them away? They're perfectly good. Listen, please, to what Rabbi Lamb suggests. With all of the concern that the Torah has to adhere to the prescribed ritual, to be loyal to the unchanging tradition of Jewish practice. The Torah also very much wants us to avoid the problem of routine, the danger of routine. Boredom and rote is poison to the spirit and the soul. And that's why the Kohen Gadol has to follow every step of the procedure exactly as prescribed in every detail. And yet, the garments, they had to be new every year. They had to be fresh. You take out a new suit from a package, a new white shirt from the package. It's never been worn before. Because that newness of the garment when the Kohen Gadol put it on that day for the first time, it was intended to inspire and evoke an inner freshness and enthusiasm. Like a person might feel with a new suit, a new garment. Yes, it does look the same. You know, sometimes my wife makes fun of Men's clothing. If I buy a new shirt and I put it on, I say, oh, wow, this is a great shirt. I'm so happy with this shirt. And she say, it's a white shirt. It's exactly the same as every other white shirt you've had for the last 50 years. What's that? What's uh Okay, but this is this a little bit different. It's, it's new. It's fresh. It's uh, okay, fine. But there has to be a newness. There has to be a freshness. And this has got to be a symbol for all of Israel that boredom is the slow death of the spirit. And 
only renewal can grant life. The authentic Jewish view on the dilemma of tradition versus change is this dual approach. Which is correct? The answer is yes. Both are correct. We have to insist on the unchanging framework of action. We have to behave in accordance with Jewish law in all its details. The fixed pattern of activity transmitted from generation to generation. But we must demand at the same time that inwardly we are always bringing a new spirit, a new insight, a new intuition into what we were doing. Objectively, there is tradition. Subjectively, there must always be something different, something new. Shira Chadasha Shibcha They sang a new song. And it may even have been with the same words as the old song but it was sung with a new enthusiasm, a new understanding, perhaps a new melody. We find this emphasis on internal novelty in every area of Jewish life. In Jewish law itself, which insists on preserving the outer form of our behavior, at the same time our sages cautioned us against we should not simply do a rote, routine observance of commandments, just doing it like because we did it before and we do it tomorrow in the same way every day. No! We cannot habituate ourselves. Yes, it's true. Every year we perform the same Seder, but every year it's got to be new. There have to be new insights, new stories, new ways of explaining it, new context, depends on, depending on what's going on in the world, new ways of, of, of presenting it based on who is in the room at that time. It's got to be new. We may light Shabbos candles every Friday night, and again, hourly, the actions may be the same. But many of us have the custom that when we light Shabbos candles, we say a special prayer. But that prayer should be new. What do I need now? What does my family need now? What perhaps does another person I know need now? It's the today's prayer. It's not the same Shabbos candle lighting as last week. When we say our blessings... When we say Birkat Mazon, the benching, the, the grace after meals. We should try to use different tunes if we sing it to allow within us different feelings, different emotions, different levels of appreciation. I've mentioned to you before the idea. In the Amidah, we say the paragraph, Modim Anach thank you, Hashem. What a great idea. Take just a moment and think to yourself, three reasons that you are grateful to God for three things at this moment. I'm grateful to God. And I promise, if you think of three, you'll come up with five. I'm grateful to God that I figured out how at this moment the light is not shining in my face. That means 
that every time I say that prayer, which is three times every day, seven days a week, same words, but it's new. It's new because I'm thanking God for something else. I'm realizing something right now that I'm grateful for. And it challenges us to rethink our gratitude to God. We thank God for getting up in the morning, the morning blessings that we say. <clears throat> and that's an amazing thing. Of course, we realize that there are those who are unable to get up from their beds in the morning. And if we can, we are grateful. And every word of those prayers when we awake should be as if we are seeing the world for the first time, a new world. Because in fact, our sages teach us that it is a new world. Our sages teach us that the way God creates the world, God is mechadesh betuvo koyom maseh mreshis. Every day, God creates the world anew. This morning, it's not just another episode of yesterday. This is a new world, a new morning. And every morning when we awake, we are indeed confronted with a brand new world. And therefore, our reaction should be a reaction of novelty and amazement and marveling and new gratitude at what God is giving me today. Rabbi Yitzhak Luria, known as the Arizal, the great Kabbalistic master, emphasized Every prayer has to be different. Every prayer is the same. The words are the same. Our weekday prayers, the words are all the same. Shabbos prayers, the words are all the same. Yom Tov prayers, the words are all the same. The words are all the same. But the Arizal says the prayer's got to be different. The words can be the same, but my feeling about them, how I understand them, the context in which I'm saying them, the emotion that I have, the circumstance in which I find myself, all of that changes the words. <coughs> changes what the words mean to me. Changes my prayer. Every prayer must be unique. Even if it's the same words. The garments that he wore on one Yom Kippur, he could not use on the next. Rav Nachman of Blatzlav put it this way, If we shall be no better tomorrow than we are today, then why is tomorrow necessary at all? There must always be something different. Because change in the life of the Spirit is necessary to keep the mind and the heart alive and healthy and alert. There must be change. And always, of course, in an upward direction. And we should look and think about and emphasize the way in which the outer formal traditional actions we are able to infuse with newness and vitality and freshness in how we understand them, in how we explain them, in how we express them.
This was summed up beautifully in the last will and testament of one of the great Jewish translators of the Middle Period, the, middle, the Medieval Period, Rabbi Yehuda Ibn Timon. Before he passed away, he left the following advice to his son, Rabbi Shmuel. He wrote, Matob b'chayim im pu'ula si hayom kamo What good is my life if today's actions are the same as yesterday's actions? And conversely, how wonderful life can be if every day is new, if every day is different, if every day there is a change for the better, just like the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person. And I wish you a very, very happy Shabbos.